0: Hello and welcome to episode 66 of the Bat Crazy podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby. Today I'm going to be doing part one of the starting pitchers preview, starting with Max Scherzer and going all the way to Kevin Gaussman. Uh, This will include their projections, uh, valuations and values for starting pitchers, and in some cases, why I expect them to do better or worse. Uh, than the projections uh, have them doing. Uh, I'm going to plan to wrap up the previews uh, overall and uh, with starting pitchers by covering the second half of starting pitchers over the weekend. So definitely be on the lookout for that. Um, really interesting, you know, to take a look at starting pitchers. I think this is an area where, uh, you know, there's a, a huge kind of grouping of pitchers that have a relatively similar uh, valuation. Where I think based on skills and, and what they've been able to do so far in their careers, I think it gives us a sense of who may be able to take that next step forward, uh, who may be falling back a little bit, and, and just really interesting, and I think you'll find that in, some, in a lot of instances, I'm, I'm in, going in the opposite direction of a lot of folks in the fantasy industry on guys like Nick Pavetta, Shane Bieber, Luis Severino, even before the injury, uh, um, and others. So really interested to hear what you have to think about that. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at batflipcrazy. The website is batflipcrazy.com. You can also reach me on Instagram at batflipcrazy, Facebook at batflipcrazyfantasy, and YouTube by searching batflipcrazy, although I am not uh, keeping those up to date that much, just just way too much to do with uh, preparation for drafts and putting out the podcast and uh, trying to respond to folks and put stuff out on Twitter. So apologies for that. If you do like the podcast, please do go to iTunes, leave a five-star rating and review. It goes a long way. Uh, it's a little podcast. It's me, and it's sometimes joined by great, great guests. And, you know, every single review that we can get uh, would be really, really appreciated. Right now, at 81 uh, five-star ratings and reviews, or 80 five-star ratings and review, one of them was a, was a one-star rating for audio quality, So, um, but would be awesome to get to 100 uh, before the uh, you know, start of the season or early on in the season, so uh, help me out a little bit uh, with reaching that goal by leaving that five-star rating and review on iTunes. All right, let's get started with the first part of the starting pitchers preview, Max Scherzer to Kevin Gaussman. Let's get this party started. All right, let's get started with the starting pitching uh, positional preview. Uh, So what I'm going to do as I've done with all of the uh, previews so far, except for the relief pitcher podcast, is I'm going to go through, I'm going to share the aggregate projection of the bat ATC and Steamer, and then I'll share the valuation of that projection using the standard gains points uh, model and tool that Tanner um, Bell has put together. And then I will um, then I will take a look at the ADP uh, and what the cost is associated with that ADP to identify uh, the value that a particular player uh, is getting. So, for instance, with Max Scherzer, who's the number one uh, starting pitcher according to ADP, he's got a uh, standard gains points valuation of $35. His ADP is worth a cost of $35, and so he is a $0 value. Now, as I've mentioned on previous podcasts, it is a lot harder uh, for players, generally speaking, at the top of the draft to return value just because their 50th percentile projection generally isn't going to be good enough. Um, to uh, get much better than um, you know than uh, what their uh, valuation is or the cost of their ADP since they're going so high in drafts later on, you should see some value. Now, this is a little bit different for starting pitching, and I think the reason what's important about this is that a lot of the top starting pitchers actually return value compared to their projections, and I think that's one of the reasons why I'm so kind of keen on getting two elite starting pitchers early on in the draft is that the place where I think you lose a lot of value is by taking a gamble on kind of the second tier of pitchers. Now, I think a lot of those guys are actually going to be pretty good, um, or I like them a decent amount. But what research shows us is that as as a community, the fantasy community, the market isn't very good at picking out who is going to Uh, come out of that second tier to be an elite starter uh, this year and so for that reason i think banking on those two aces with their volume uh, with the skills that they have uh, is a good strategy and it also allows you to skip kind of that whole tier of starting pitchers and kind of take take back up where, where I think there is some value left in the draft. So that's a little bit enough, but that's kind of how I like to tackle starting pitcher, pitching at least in 15-team leagues. In 12-team leagues, you know, replacement va- value is a little bit higher. It's easier to stream pitchers, and so that's just something that you'll need to take into uh, consideration there. So uh, let's start off. What I'm going to do is we've got a lot of pitchers to get through, and... Uh, I know that in the in the last couple podcasts, I've had a two-and-a-half-hour podcast and a three-and-a-half-hour podcast. So six full hours of uh, talk about, uh, about closers and outfielders. And while I would love to do uh, another one that long, I don't have a guest. And so um, what I'm going to do is just try to get through these fairly quickly, giving you an overview of kind of why I feel the way that I do uh, about the particular pitcher. And then... Um, you know, sharing the projection and the value and the, and the valuation and then kind of uh, moving through the pictures pretty quickly, I'll try to highlight some information and skills that have stood out for me in my research. So let's get cracking. So the first uh, five uh, starting pitchers according to ADP are Max Scherzer, Jacob deGrom, Chris Sale, Justin Verlander, and Corey Kluber. Uh, Scherzer is the, is the top pitcher according to ADP uh, with an ADP of four. Uh, His projection is a uh, 304 ERA, a 101 whip, 273 strikeouts in 207 innings uh, with 16 wins. That's good for a $35 valuation and an ADP uh, valuation of $35 as well or Um, you know, the cost of the ADP, and so he's bringing you $0 value, which is pretty solid this high up in the draft. Uh, Jacob deGrom is up next. He has an ADP of 10, uh, 274 ERA, 103 whip, 255 strikeouts in 208 innings pitched with 15 wins. Uh, That's a valuation of $34, and at the 10th spot, Uh, That's a cost of $29 uh, at that ADP. So he's actually getting you $5 worth of value where he's being picked. That's right. DeGrom, that high up, is still returning $5 worth of value at his current ADP. Chris Sale uh, is up next. A 274 ERA, so right in line with DeGrom. Uh, 0.96 whip. 266 strikeouts in 195 innings pitched. With 16 wins, that'll give you a $38 valuation at a $28 cost, so a $10 value this early in the draft. Now, obviously, the major question mark with Sale is whether he is going to hit that 195 innings pitched. I think on a per-pitch basis, Chris Sale is the best starting pitcher in the game. The question is, you know, given how the last couple years have ended, you know, whether he is going to be able to reach the same type of volume uh, at least, you know, from an innings pitched perspective, as a Degrom, a Scherzer, and some of the guys that are going later. Now, obviously, we don't know for sure, uh, but I think you know, volume uh, or the velocity is down a little bit early in the spring. He hasn't thrown a ton. Um, you know, they used him, uh, pr- you know, uh, pretty extensively in in the in the World Series, or at least extensively in the sense that you know they brought him in and he was throwing really, really hard kind of max effort, uh, high leverage situations. And so that's just something to consider there. Uh, Justin Verlander is up next. He has an ADP of 19, uh, 325 ERA, a 105 whip, 15 wins, 253 strikeouts in 202 innings pitched. That is good for a $31 valuation at a $26 cost. So he's getting you $5 worth of value. Now one thing that I think is, is important to remember is that when we've covered the position players, when we've, con- we've covered the hitters, a lot of those top end hitters are losing you value at this point in the draft just because uh, you know the cost of them at the ADP is so high. So that's just something that I think kind of highlights the value of pitchers uh, at, at this point in the draft this year and why you really want to be targeting an ace. Corey Kluber is the fifth and final in this group, uh, ADP of 23, um, 331 ERA, a 107 whip, 15 wins, 227 strikeouts in 210 innings pitched. For Kluber, that's a $28 valuation, uh, a $26 cost, and it rounds up to a $3 worth of value. So everybody except for Scherzer, who's going really, really high up, Uh, is getting you value in this tier right here. Now for me, uh, when I think about um, ordering the pitchers, uh, I'm probably going to, in my rankings, I have Max Scherzer first, I have Jacob deGrom second, I have Justin Verlander third, Chris Sale fourth, and then I actually have Kluber uh, much further down. I think he's my 11th pitcher. Now the reason I like Scherzer is obviously there's the track record. Uh, He throws a ton of innings, he strikes out a ton of batters, the skills are excellent, the repertoire is excellent, um, and you know there really isn't any concern outside of age that I have with Scherzer and his profile. I think the Nationals are going to be a very good team this year, uh, even better than last year. And so I really see him as kind of the guy with the fewest number of, uh, of weaknesses, both in terms of track record and skills. Taking a look at Jacob Degrom, I have him as my number two pitcher. Again, you know, if he were able to accrue a few more wins last year, you know, the valuation would have been off the charts. But you know, he only got those 13 wins, which really suppressed his value. But everything else was really, really nice with Degrom. Um, and the thing that I really liked about Degrom is as the year progressed, uh, his skills actually got better. So the swinging strike rate was up. Um, you know, he was. Uh, he got better as the season progressed, and you know his fastball is very good. Um, he's got very good secondary stuff, and so I really have no concerns about drafting Degrom at all. In some respects, he may even be a little bit safer uh, because of the age, but you know the track record wins out for Scherzer. He really hasn't shown any signs of slowing down. You know he's not as good in the second half normally as he is in the first, but he's absolutely dominant in the first, and so the overall package that you're getting uh, is a truly elite player. Uh, Justin Verlander is up next for me. You know, I love the context a lot, uh, pitching for the Astros. I think he'll get, he'll be able to get, uh, or he should get, um, you know, he's got as good of chance as anybody, I should say, uh, to get a solid win total. Um, his skills also improved as the season progressed. Um, his, uh, swinging strike rate went up. All of the metrics were really good. And he's a high fly ball pitcher who doesn't give up uh, really good contact and so the result is that he's able to keep that babbit low um, and um, you know there's a little bit of a home run issue for him because of the the number of uh, fly balls but um, you know he's he he pitches that four seam high in the zone he's got a disgusting curveball and it all kind of Uh, comes together to make him one of the best uh, pitchers in the league and my number three starting pitcher. Sale, I love on a pitch-to-pitch basis. I think that he's the best player in the game, and the projections absolutely love him. Uh, They have him as the uh, number one ranked pitcher uh, in all of uh, fantasy baseball, Um, and, and for good reason. I mean, he's absolutely incredible when he's pitching. I think there's just enough concern for me... About the volume and how the Red Sox are going to handle him uh, after the last couple years, that I just don't know if he'll hit that 195 uh, innings pitch total. Uh, I think he's much more likely to be in kind of the 180, 170 range. Even with that, he's one of the best. But because volume is so critical in today's game, in today's game, uh, that's why I kind of have the guys who I think I can count on more than anybody else uh, to throw a ton of innings ahead of sale now for Kluber you know I owned Kluber in a couple spots last year and I just wasn't impressed you know he did have some improvement in the skills towards the end of last year um, and that is a a really good sign but the strikeout rate just hasn't kept up and it looks more and more like um, 2017 is going to be the anomaly for him you know in terms of the overall results in terms of the strikeouts in terms of the swinging strike rate you know, and he just got hit a little too hard in that second half, especially when he was going up against decent teams. Uh, that that raised enough concerns uh, for me. He's also getting older. He doesn't have a particularly good fastball, um, and that's something that the top four definitely do have. Uh, and so, for that reason, I bumped Kluber pretty far down. Uh, I might actually have him as number ten right now, given some of the concerns around Walker Bueller's injury. Uh, but I'm not in on Kluber. I don't own him in any leagues. I don't. Think that I'm going to own him in any leagues, and so I'm just kind of skipping him. Let's tackle the next five uh, Garrett Cole, Aaron Nola, Trevor Bauer, Blake Snell, and Carlos Carrasco. Uh, Garrett Cole has a 339 ERA, a 112 whip, uh, 15 wins, and 241 strikeouts in 198 innings pitched. Um, as his projection, that's a $27 valuation at a $25 ADP. So he's getting you $2 worth of value. Next up is Aaron Nola. He has a 334 ERA, a 115 whip, 13 wins, um, 211 strikeouts in 195 innings pitched. That is a $23 valuation at a $25 cost. So this is the first point in time when a starting pitcher is losing you money in the drafts is Aaron Nola based on his projection. Now, I do think the win total is a little low, especially with the elite offense now that the Phillies do have. I don't know if that's been integrated into the projections quite yet. Um, So that's just one thing uh, to consider a little bit there. Up next is one of my favorites, and that's Trevor Bauer. Uh, The projection is a 342 ERA, a 1.18 WHIP, 14 wins and 223 strikeouts in 194 innings pitched. That's good for a $23 valuation at a $25 cost. Uh, so he's losing you $2 right there. Next up is Blake Snell, last year's American League Cy Young winner. 3.12 ERA, a 1.17 WHIP, 233 strikeouts in 189 innings pitched with 14 wins. Uh that's a $25 valuation at a $25 ADP. Uh so he is neutral for you uh, in terms of value. Next up is Carlos Carrasco, another guy that I really love uh, from a skills perspective. A 332 ERA, a 333 ERA, a 111 whip, 15 wins, 224 strikeouts in 165 uh, innings pitched uh, for Carrasco. That's good for a $26 valuation at a $23 value at pick 34, um, and that is a $3 uh, value for uh, for Carrasco. Now, in my rankings for starting pitchers, I actually have Garrett Cole as my number five pitcher. I think Cole has a really he has a really strong foundation to build off of because his fastball uh, was elite last year, uh, 14% plus. Uh, swinging strike rate um, on that pitch, um, which is really really nice. He's got a slider uh, that is pretty dominant, uh, dominant pitch. Uh, he's playing for the Astros, and he's another guy who elevated his fastball uh, last year with the Astros. Gets a lot of fly balls, and which uh, uh, minimizes uh, the overall uh, BABIP and you know danger on contact. He was able to manage contact well. Everything aligned in terms of his you know, expected metrics with what he did. He's younger uh, than Verlander, uh, and so I really like him potentially even to take another step um, forward uh, after being already very, very good. Now, Bauer is my number sixth uh, pitcher um, overall in ADP. Uh, it's really easy to forget, but Bauer, coming out of the, the first half, was actually one of, if not the top-ranked pitcher in baseball uh the ERA was really low the whip was really good uh, really good he was managing contact um pretty well um just across the board both in terms of the quality of contact like barrel metrics and then also you know expected versus actual uh he's pitching for the Indians um he uh is going to be pitching in the AL Central which is obviously not a great uh place um or is actually a great place uh, for pitchers and so Uh, Bauer's a guy I like a lot. I also love what he does. You know, At driveline, I love what he does in terms of his work ethic and working on different pitches. He worked on his changeup all offseason in the hopes of adding that to his repertoire. And last year, we saw what his work on his slider did, turning it into one of the best sliders in the game. And so if he's able to improve that changeup, uh, add another knockout pitch right there, then he is going to be uh, incredibly good this year. After Bauer, I do have Nola. I'm a little concerned about some regression in terms of BABIP. Uh, For Nola, according to expected average, you know, his BABIP, I think, was in the mid-250s, and he ended up with a uh, 280 or so expected average. So there was some luck there for sure. Um, I do like the skills growth with Nola towards the end of the season. He's continued to throw his curveball more and more and just look like a very good pitcher. So I like Nola a lot. I think that the K upside may be a little more limited than the guys that are in front of him. Uh, and I do think that there's some that he's due some regression in terms of batted ball quality, and so for that reason, I kind of have him a little bit uh back, but still as my number seven starting pitcher up next, I have Blake Snell as my number eight starting pitcher uh Snell, you know Snell has probably the strongest skills out of the whole group in the second half of the season. his curveball was absolutely lethal and it led him to having one of the most insane swinging strike rates over the course of a half season that I have seen. It's like 19% uh, over his last 10 games, something crazy like that. So those skills are really nice. He also got lucky on balls in play last year, so I'm factoring a little bit of that into uh, some regression for the ERA and the whip. You know, He still doesn't have the best control metrics, and so that worries me a little bit. And so I do think that he's going to regress a little bit Uh, Next year, I still think he's going to be a very good pitcher and he has incredible ceiling. We've already seen that. But I also don't think the innings are going to be as high because he's not as efficient with his pitches. And so for that reason, I have him down a little bit, but still, again, a really solid. Uh, Carlos Carrasco uh, is the next one. Um, He also has just really elite skills from uh, across the board swinging strike rate, O swing. Uh, really nice control metrics. Everything's really good. He's also in the same ideal situation in Cleveland. And so for that reason, I have him as my number nine pitcher. Right now I have Walker Buehler as my 10 and Kluber as my 11. I'd probably switch those two and make Kluber my 10 um, and Buehler my 11 uh, only because of Buehler, you know, having some question marks about whether he's going to be ready for the season and then question marks overall, you know, about the total number of innings pitched uh, that he is going to have. Next up, uh, the next five we have Walker Bueller, Noah Cindergard, Luis Severino, and Patrick Corbin by ADP, uh, uh, as well as uh, well uh, James Paxton uh, is up after that. So for Bueller, the projection is three twenty one ERA, a one one five WHIP, one hundred and eighty six strikeouts in one hundred and sixty five innings pitched with twelve wins. That's good for a $19 valuation at a $23 cost of losing you $4. So you see with the projections that they're really kind of uh, tamping down on the expectations for the innings pitched, you know, given his injury history, uh, given the way that the Dodgers treat their pitchers. And so that's one thing uh, to consider. You know, I do think that from a ratio perspective, when he does pitches, he's going to be one of the best on a per inning basis. And so it's just a matter of balancing that volume, you know, versus, um, you know, the, the incredible skills that he's gonna have. Noah Syndergaard, uh, a 335 ERA, a 116 whip, uh, with 181 strikeouts in 175 innings pitched, with 12 wins. That's good for an $18 valuation at a $23 cost. So he's losing you $5. Now, one thing that was surprising about Syndergaard last year is that his swinging strike rate was down, and as was his K rate. Uh, you know, you expect him to just be an over overpowering and dominant force, but that didn't necessarily show up in the strikeouts. And so that's one thing that I think is important to factor in. Although he did start throwing his four seam fastball towards the end of the season more, and that pitch has a much higher swinging strike rate. Um, so there's that, and he also throws a lot of fastballs. So if you were able to integrate his slider into his repertoire a little bit more, increase the percentage there, I think he could really take off. Luis Severino, ADP of forty one. Uh, 328 ERA, a 1.11 whip, uh, 225 strikeouts and 196 innings pitched, 15 wins, good for a $27 valuation at a $22 ADP and a $5 value. Uh, I'll get to Severino in a little bit. Uh, I'm not a fan this year, even though the projection looks really nice. Patrick Corbin going at an ADP of 44, uh, uh, 347 ERA, a 1.2 whip, 13 wins, 201 strikeouts in 183 innings pitched. That's a $19 valuation at a $21 cost. He's losing you $2 right there. And then finally James Paxton, 3.42 ERA, a 113, a 114 WHIP, 200 strikeouts in 169 innings pitched with 13 wins. That's a $21 valuation for Paxton at a $19 uh, cost so he's getting you two dollars worth of value. Uh, in terms of the pitchers that are lined up right here on a per-pitch basis, I love Walker Buehler. I think he's great. I am a little bit concerned, you know, about him starting off the season a little bit slow. You know, he still hasn't pitched in spring training. You know, he said he had a dead arm earlier in spring training. And so that's just something that I think is important to monitor. So I'll drop him back, maybe a slot, like I mentioned, and put Corey Kluber ahead of him. But that's about it. After that, I have Noah Syndergaard uh, as the next. Uh, starting pitcher, uh, my number 12. I think he can take some leaps forward. Cindergaard uh, can uh, by throwing his slider a little bit more, something he started to do towards the end of the last year. And then also throwing his four seam fastball instead of his sinker. His sinker has a really bad babip on it. You know, it gets put in play more than any other pitch that he throws. And so if he were to eliminate that and put throw in the four seam, uh, it definitely would help out his stuff. A lot, I think, and he's also throughout his career, probably because of, partially because of the velocity, but also you know just the way he pitches, uh, he has has managed contact really, really well. He always has a super low uh, barrel per plate appearance, uh, which is sticky year to year, and so uh, for that reason, I like Cindergard a lot. Um, but again, you know he's kind of in this iffy place, you know where there isn't a ton of value based on projections right now. Um, I actually have Corbin pretty far down as my 15th ranked pitcher. I liked what Corbin did a lot. I do have some concerns about the control metrics. He relies very heavily on O-swing, and the walk rate that he had last year didn't really match the first pitch strike rate or the zone percentage, which is under 40% for him. And so for that reason, it raises enough concerns, particularly being in a new environment and having to play up to a to a larger contract. I'm just not as comfortable going after him. I do really love the Nationals, though, as a team. And so that's one thing, to factor in uh, James Paxson I have as my 19th ranked pitcher uh, so pretty far down as well you know I think the volume is a major question obviously last year he threw I think the most innings that he's thrown in any major league season at 61 or at 161 and so you know you really are going to need some volume there I also have concerns about how he'll do in Yankee Stadium given some of the home run struggles that he had last year I still think he's very very good the skills are very very solid uh, I just think that you know the change in scenery uh, may not be the best one for him, and so that coupled with the limitations in terms of value make me drop him uh, a little bit further down. And then finally, Luis Severino. You know, I have him as my twentieth ranked pitcher. You know, even before the injury, I was very down on Severino. Uh, when you, my biggest thing with Severino is is kind of this. Um, you know, he the skills aren't out of this world. They're much worse than a lot of the other elite starting pitchers. You know his swinging strike rate, um, you know, was right around twelve percent, which is very good but not great, um, and it was headed down towards the end of last year. He also, um, you know, the O swing was not uh, through the roof um, either, uh, and then you know the control metrics are really good with uh, for him two out of the last 3 years, you know, he's been hit really hard. And last year, I don't I don't buy the pitch tipping. I think that probably happened during the playoffs. But the biggest struggles that Severino have had happened in June and July. And so, you know, if if the you know, Yankees couldn't figure out that he was pitching tip uh, tipping pitches in June and July, and it took them all the way until September in the playoffs to notice it, you know, I think I have a little bit broader concerns about the Yankees, um, but, you know, they're a smart staff. They would have noticed that, and so I don't buy that at all. Uh, I think what happened is that his fastball became uh, very hittable. It's not a good fastball. You know, it, 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 he throws it hard, but it's not a terrific pitch, and then his third pitch, his changeup, has only been good really for one year. You know, last year it was okay, but it was worse than league average on swinging strike rate. The O swing was way down, so he's not fooling hitters as much as he was in 2017. You know, the velocity stayed steady, so it's not—it's unclear exactly why. You know, his pitches got worse, but they did, and hitters—hitters—you know—hitters crushed him uh, in the second half, and he wasn't really able to at any point in the second half really turn it around. And so that raises a number of questions uh, for me. And, you know, and in the end, uh, that means for me that, you know, the injury just kind of adds on to that. And so I'm staying away from uh, Severino. I think he's going to be a big liability for folks. If you just look at his four-seam fastball over the last four years, 126 WRC+, 165 WRC+, 115 WRC+, and 123 WRC+. And then in two of the last three years, his changeup has been more, batters have been better than league average against it as well. You know, so for those reasons, I'm fading, you know, Severino pretty hard. And I'm probably, you know, among folks in the industry, one of the lowest on him, even pre-injury. He just wasn't a guy that I was getting or touching. Uh, so that's kind of Luis Severino, uh, one of my more kind of controversial fades, I guess you would say. All right. Um, so uh, with... Um, with those guys, let's head to the next five starting pitchers. We've got Mike Clevenger, Jamison Tyone, Jack Flaherty, Clayton Kershaw, and Steven Strasberg. Uh Mike Clevenger, uh 381 ERA, a 125 whip, uh 12 wins, 188 strikeouts in 173 innings pitched. That's $14 valuation at a $19 cost. Uh, and that, so he's losing you $4 worth of value. Jamison Tyone is up next, ADP of 57, the same as Clevenger. A 378 ERA, a 1 2 3 whip, 12 wins, 179 strikeouts in 191 innings. That's a $14 valuation at a $19 cost. Jack Flaherty uh, is up next, uh, 358 ERA. 121 whip, 11 wins, 184 strikeouts in 165 innings pitched. That's good for a $15 valuation at an $18 cost, uh, and he's losing you $3 worth of value right there, Uh, going at an ADP of 58. Clayton Kershaw is up next. Uh, A 315 ERA, a 1.09 whip, 13 wins, 177 strikeouts in 181 innings pitched. Um, that's good for a $22 valuation uh, at an $18 cost. Uh, so he is getting you, earning you $3 worth of value. Um, I don't really buy that projection. Um, I don't think it factors in yet the, um, you know, the injury from the spring and then also the eroding skills that Kershaw has shown. Steven Strasburg is the fifth in this group. Uh, 361 ERA, 118 WHIP. Twelve wins, 194 strikeouts in 174 innings pitched. It's an $18 valuation at an $18 cost for Strasburg, and he's losing you one dollar. So you can see right here where you know you're starting to see a pattern where a lot of these guys are losing value according to their projection. Now I may disagree with some of the projections. Uh, that are happening right here, but generally speaking, this is a fairly you know consistent trend where you see you know very little value in kind of the middle tier of guys here, and so that 's just something to notice for your drafts, you know especially for guys that you're kind of pushing up your board so you can address pitching definitely think you should consider uh, tapping the double ace uh, you know in the second and third round or first and second or first and third round if at all possible, and depending on how deep your league is so Mike Clevenger is actually a guy that I like a lot. Um, I have him ranked uh, higher up, I think, uh, than his ADP. He's my number thirteen pitcher right now. Uh, Clevenger, the thing that I love about Clevenger is, you know, I think a lot of the um, a lot of the projection systems are factoring in his low BABIP. Um, But he's actually been able to do that two years now pretty consistently. Um, And so that's just one thing to consider there. He also has two really good pitches in his slider and his curveball, I believe it is, uh, both with 18% plus swinging strike rate. His fastball isn't great, um, but I think if he can maybe fade that fastball a little bit uh, more, uh, throw uh, the curveball and the fastball a little bit more, that would be great. And his velocity is also up this spring at kind of 95, 96, so up two miles per hour over where he was last year. Uh, and so I think that could work out really well for him. He's also pitching for Cleveland in the worst division. And, so, and he's already thrown 200 innings pitch, so I'm not sure where the 173 inning pitch prog- projection is coming from, but for me, that's way too low. And for that reason, I think Clevenger is being underrated, at least by the projection systems. Uh, Jamison Tyone is up next. Uh, Tyone is a guy that, it, of all the people in this group, I'm kind of fading him the most. Um, he doesn't have the same uh, quality of skills, um, I think, that a lot of guys have, and he's never been able to strike guys out at a very consistent clip. You know, he's really struggled to get his swinging strike rate above 12% at any point during the season, and people talk a lot about his slider, but it actually wasn't that good of a pitch from a swinging strike rate perspective. It's actually well below league average uh, on sliders. And so it did make some of his other pitches better, which I think is good. But even when he was kind of at his peak last year and had a number of uh, starts in a row with under three innings, three, three earned runs given up, you know, he was still giving up a decent amount of contact on pitches inside the zone, and he wasn't able to strike out a guy per inning. And so for that reason, you know, I think the volume may be you know, a little bit higher for Tyone than other guys. Um, I don't think the ERA and the whip are going to be kind of out of this world good. I think he's got a lower ceiling than a lot of the other guys going in this area. And so that, you know, I think is, is, is what's kind of pushing me to value him a little bit less um, than I think other guys in this tier. One guy who I think has enormous potential and may be that guy who kind of takes the leap forward next year is Jack Flaherty. Uh, I like Flaherty a lot. Um, I have him after Herman Marquez um, as uh, or after Marquez and Corbin as my number sixteen pitcher. My only concern with Flaherty is really the control metrics. The first pitch strike and zone percentage were not terrific last year, and so he got lucky on you know balls in play, um, things of that nature. He did get unlucky on his on home runs. You know his home run versus his expected home runs, and so um, you know I think that's a really good sign. Uh, he has the you know, just, you know, dominant slider, uh, the fastball was, you know, it, it I think it got a little bit lucky last year on the, fa- on the fastball, but I think that curveball really came through for him, you know, and as a result of that, I really like him. I think he could be a guy who just has, you know, tremendous skills, um, you know, shows tremendous skills this year and kind of makes that leap. I think he's got, um, you know, maybe more upside, more ceiling, even than Clevenger, uh, but I think the floor is also lower for him because of some of the control metric struggles. Uh, Clinton Kershaw, you know, a guy that I'm not going to own either unless he falls way, 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 way down. You know, uh, Kershaw last year, the fastball velocity obviously down, down, down. Um, you know, his K per nine was under nine last year. Uh, the K percentage was down as well. And a lot of folks are kind of pointing to the fact that, oh, well, he'll throw his curve in his slider more. But he was only throwing his fastball like under 40% last year. And so there's not much more of a place for him to go with his breaking stuff. Um, You know, and so for that reason, I just see a continued erosion of the skills and the production. Uh, And so, you know, I I still think he'll be good when he pitches, but that combined with the volume just raises too many question marks for me, as does the injuries, you know, that he already has suffered so far early on this year. Steven Strasburg, uh, the next guy, um, you know, a negative $1 value, uh, but pretty close to neutral here. The thing, I, I addressed this uh, yesterday when I was on the Roto Sauce uh, podcast, which you should definitely check out. But, you know, the thing for Strasbourg is the skills seem to be eroding pretty you know, pretty they're gradual, but it's a pretty consistent erosion over the years. You know, he took some pretty big steps backward in terms of control metrics last year with his zone percentage falling down uh, and even his first pitch strike rate falling down a little bit. Uh, He just doesn't have that overwhelming stuff anymore, um, and he's always getting injured. And so for that reason, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Strasburg, you know, especially going where he's going um, right now. So, All right, so that's that group of five. The next group of five is Zach Granke, Herman Marquez, Jose Barrios, um, Madison Bumgarner, and Zach Wheeler. So with uh, Zach Granke, ADP of 64, uh, 3.81 ERA, 1.2 WHIP, 12 wins, 191 strikeouts in 201 innings pitched. That's good for a $16 valuation at an $18 cost. So he's losing you $2 worth of value right there. Herman Marquez, a a 394 ERA, a 125 whip, 13 wins, 204 strikeouts in 190 innings pitched. That's good for a $16 valuation at a $17 cost. So he's losing you $1 right there. Marquez is a guy I like a lot. I actually have him. I think is uh, my number uh, 14, you know, pitcher uh, right after Mike Clevenger uh, this year. Uh, Jose Barrios is next, a 3.83 ERA, a 1.22 WHIP, uh, 200 strikeouts and 193 innings pitched and 13 wins. That's $7 valuation, $17 valuation at a $16 cost. That's good for $1 worth of value right there. Barrios is a guy that I like this year as well. Uh, Madison Bumgarner, 89, an ADP of 89, a 391 ERA, a one 2 whip, 11 wins, 172 strikeouts in 196 innings pitched. That's a $12 valuation at a $16 cost. He's losing you $3. Zach Wheeler's up next, a 3-7 ERA, a 1-2-5 whip, 11 wins, 169 strikeouts in 171 uh, innings pitched. Um, for Wheeler right there. So that is that group of five. Um, so for Zach Greinke, I'm I'm falling a little bit out of love with Greinke. You know, it may be that, you know, the, the drop in velocity is catching up with him, but the skills suffered um, for sure last year and some of his best pitches, like his slider, actually got hit you know, pretty hard. They still had pretty decent swinging strike stuff, but he was getting hit pretty hard. You know, I don't necessarily anticipate the Diamondbacks being that good. And while I think Granky can get along with, you know, kind of, um, you know, being kind of the smartest guy out there in terms of, you know, being on the mound and 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 knowing how to pitch, uh, I'm just not sure that the skills are strong enough to make him, you know, worthy of the pick that he's going at right now at an ADP of 64. And so while the, the volume may be there, I'm just a little skeptical on the skills. And I think that the fall may be a little uh, quicker and a little steeper uh, maybe than, than I would want. And so for that reason, I think the floor is a little bit lower you know, than um, I, I like. And so for that reason, I have Granke, um as my uh, 22nd uh, starting pitcher. Uh, right now, in terms of rankings, Herman Marquez is a guy that i that I love this year, and I'm kind of frustrated with myself. Sometimes this happens where you love a guy, but just by virtue of where he's going in the draft, you don't end up having a lot of shares, and that's certainly the case for Marquez for me, just because I really love the hitters that go kind of around you know, in between pick 60 and 80. Uh, I just love some of the outfielders in particular that are going right there and so I haven't gotten any shares and I've also been trying to double tap those aces early on. And so for that reason, um, you know, I think um, uh, I, I don't have any shares of Marquez. You know, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, justifications for why he's done well or why he'll do, he'll, he'll do poorly. I think the thing for me about Marquez and the reason why I think he can overcome Coors Field is, you know, number one, I don't think we've ever seen a Rockies pitcher that is this good. When you take a look at the second half scales, you know, over his last 10 games, his swinging strike rate was close to 17%. His first pitch strike rate was over 70%. Um... The in-zone contact rate was lower than league average. You know, he was in the zone. um, And he had two pitches, the curveball and the slider, with both which had 20% swinging strike rates or better. And so I actually think that Marquez's second half was the best we've ever seen of a Rockies pitcher. People point to John Gray. You know, the problem with John Gray is that he's never approached the the level of skills that Marquez showed. You know, he hasn't gotten within 2% in terms of swinging strike rate of the of the marks that Herman Marquez was hitting last year when he pitched very very well in Coors in fact Kyle Freeland also pitched really really well in Coors last year so it can be done for sure and i think that Marquez is the best pitcher that the Rockies have had when you look at Ubaldo Jimenez who's also been brought up he never had you know a swinging strike rate above 10% um you know obviously a different time But, you know, he was never a strikeout guy the way that Herman Marquez has been. You know, and for that reason, I like Marquez to be, you know, uh, a lot better than the projection. I think, you know, at least in the mid threes, you know, I think the whip uh, under 1.2 and I think the strikeouts will be pretty elite. And so I really like Marquez a lot. I'm hoping that I'll get him at some point, you know, so that I at least have one share of him. Um, But I really do like Marquez a lot and I have him right now as my... Uh, number fourteen pitcher, so pretty high up there uh Jose Barrios is another guy that I like this year uh, The volume has been there you know last year with 200, in, 200 innings pitched uh, the skills improved as well as the as the season progressed um, you know and he he gave up a lot of runs in kind of spurts where he had really bad starts and so you know if we if um you know if the hits happen in a little bit of a different order, I think we're looking at a much better ratios. You know, and so for that reason, uh, I like him a lot to kind of take a step forward this year. I think the Twins are going to be good. I think he's pitching in the AL Central, and that's going to be a huge bonus for him. So I do like Berrios uh, going right here. I have Berrios right now um, as my number 17 pitcher after Jack Flaherty. Uh, So just to recap my top, you know, 15 or so. Scherzer, DeGrom, Verlander, Sale, Cole, Bauer, Nola, Snell, Carrasco, Bueller, Kluber, Syndergaard, Clevenger, Marquez, Corbin, Flaherty, Berrios, Tyone, Paxton, Severino. And then I'll stop at that 20 because the next guy is somebody who we haven't covered um, yet so far this season. Uh, Madison Bumgarner is a guy I'm a total fade on. You know, the skills have just really diminished. The velocity uh, is not there anymore. He got very lucky last year. I just don't see him as, as a guy that I want uh, on my team. I would much rather get like a Rich Hill later on in the draft who I think is going to have really nice skills and then supplement him with a, with a streamer, um, you know, versus having Bumgarner at, at the cost that he is at right now. Uh, Zach Wheeler uh, is a guy, I'm so, so on Zach Wheeler. I can't really tell whether I'm really high on Zach Wheeler or not. Uh, He was really good. His fastball was really good last year. I like a point that Andrew Perpetua made before he went over to the Mets, which was that Wheeler has had so many injuries throughout his career that he's never really had a full offseason to work on pitching. It's always been rehabbing. Um, And so I'm really interested to see how he does end up doing. My one concern with Wheeler is that the skills weren't off the charts. know in any respect like so his swinging strike rate never got that high he doesn't have a true knockout pitch and so i just wonder if there will be some regression in the balls in play uh, and that that will hurt his ratios a little bit and that the strikeouts won't necessarily be there's not the same strikeout upside um, as some other guys have and so for that reason i think he's kind of appropriately priced right here maybe a little too expensive uh, but I just can't fully get on board with him, and so for that reason, I probably won't have any shares, and I'll probably look foolish because last year in a dynasty league before he went off, I was actually at, uh, offered Zach Wheeler and AJ Minter uh, for uh, Vidal Bruyon of the Rays and um, Isaac Paredes, um, and I didn't take the deal at the time, and I ended up just getting just dealing those two for AJ Minter and not getting Wheeler because he he went off the hook, and so. You know, Wheeler is a guy that I don't mind at all. I think he's worth taking a risk at right here. But I'm just a little bit concerned that the balls in play are going to regress and that that's going to hurt him a little bit um, uh, this next year. But I don't think he's a bad pitcher by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, The next five, we have Miles Mikolas at ADP of 93. David Price at an ADP of 95. Mike Fultonavich at an ADP of 103. uh, Luis Castillo at an ADP of 107. And then Robbie Ray at an ADP of 118. So for Mikolas, uh, his projection is a 3.83 three ERA, a 1.21 one WHIP, 13 wins, 154 strikeouts in 196 um, innings pitched. That's a $13 valuation at a $15 cost. David Price ADP of 95, 3.84 th- uh, ERA, a 1.22 two WHIP. 14 wins with 192 strikeouts in 189 innings pitched. That's good for $17 valuation at a $15 cost. So he's getting you $2 worth of value. Uh, Price is one of the one of the pitchers that I do like going in this range. Um, you know, for a few reasons I'll, I'll note a little bit later on. A guy who's not falling far enough, given some of the most recent medical news on him, is Mike Fultonevich. Uh, it's obviously not. Uh, it hasn't been integrated uh, into uh, his projection yet, but. Uh, he is at a 392 ERA, a 126 whip, uh, 12 wins, 197 strikeouts, and 189 innings, $14 valuation at a $14 cost. So he's neutral right there. Uh, he's a guy whose skills were not that good. Like the difference between his K percentage and the swinging strike rate uh, was just uh, too big. And I think he's a pretty clear regression candidate uh, if he was even healthy, and, and he's not. Uh, Luis Castillo uh, is up next. Uh, he has a projection of a 397 ERA, a 124 whip, 11 wins, 173 strikeouts, and 174 innings pitched. That's good for a $12 valuation at a $14 cost, so he's losing you $2. Uh, Robbie Ray um, is up next. Uh, Ray has a projection of 376, a 129 whip, 10 wins, a 218 strikeouts, and 172 innings pitched that's good for a $15 valuation at a $13 cost. It rounds down to a $1 uh, worth of value uh, for Robbie Ray. Uh, Now, when I take a look at these guys uh, in my rankings, uh, David Price is the top guy out of this group uh, that I have. Uh, Zach Wheeler is next at 26. Uh, After that, I have Uh, Mikolas at 31. I have Luis Castillo as my number 36 pitcher. And Mad Bum is my number 39 pitcher, just to give you a sense of kind of how they break down. Uh, With Mikolas, you know, my major concern is the strikeouts. You know, I think he got a little bit lucky on balls in play last year. Not necessarily lucky, um, but more that just it's very hard to sustain that low of a BABIP. Um, from year to year, and so I do think that there's going to be some regression coming uh, from Mikolas in that department, which will impact his ratios. Certainly, you know I do love the fact that the that the walk rate is so low. You know that should keep the whip uh, in relative check, and so I think it's more the ERA that'll be impacted. But the strikeout totals at this point in the draft are 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 concerning. You know, a very low K per nine. Uh, folks do make a lot of contact in their at bats, and so for that reason, I'm I'm not really in on Mikolas. Uh, at all, uh, David Price uh, is a guy that I like this year. You know, he really improved last year by throwing his cutter more uh, and his changeup more, uh, which are two of his better pitches, and that really helped him have a st- very strong uh, second half. You know obviously he's pitching for the Red Sox, which I like a lot for the win win total, and then I also think that he's going to be pitching a little bit looser this year after having put in such a dominant performance in the World Series and having a World Series ring now. you know I just think that um that takes a little bit of the weight off. I do have some concerns um, about price you know in terms of the workload that he had last year, but overall he's been able to um you know, uh, outside of the year, uh, I think, uh, outside of one year, you know, really uh, has been able to ha- pitch at a good volume. And so, um, you know, for that reason, I, I do like David Price you know, where he's going right now. I'm just going to quickly fact check that uh, innings pitched claim just to make sure that I'm being accurate. Yeah. So uh, 248, 220, 230, and then 74 in 2017, but 176 um, last year. Uh, And so, and that 176 came in uh, 30 games started. Um, So, you know, if he, if he is healthy, you know, I like him to get closer to that 200 innings pitch total, but I think overall it's just you know it's a nice profile and, and one that I don't mind here. And if I do something like Tag one Ace, you know early on, I may look at getting like David Price as my number two and following him up pretty quickly with a, with a solid number three um, right here. That may be a strategy that you want to employ uh, and, and, and one that I, I don't mind um, doing at all. I actually tried to employ it in TGFBI, but uh, he got drafted one pick ahead of me uh, right there. Uh, Fultonavich obviously dealing with major injury worries. For that reason, he's just a full fade to me. Uh, I think you know the the skills were already kind of screaming for regression with uh, the low swinging strike rate, despite the high number of strikeouts. You know, and we've seen like with guys like Luke Weaver, for instance, where that swinging strike rate is a pretty good indicator of future strikeout success. Um, and so, not having it is is a reason why I was fading him even before you know the injuries, and now he's just a full fade. Uh, Castillo, I think Castillo kind of is who he is at this point. You know, the fastball is very hittable, and the velocity has been down. You know, this year the slider is a pretty good pitch, and then the changeup is absolutely dominant. Uh, But the other pitches outside of the changeup really get hit hard, and so for that reason, you know, he falls into this kind of like Chris Archer uh, archetype of a guy with really nice skills, but a guy who will probably run a pretty high BABIP and have home run issues, and as a result. Uh, will always be a danger to your ratios. And so for that reason, I'm not going after Castillo at this spot either. Robbie is a little bit interesting at 118, but I'm also not interested in him mostly because of the whip. You know, I think the walk percentage was a little crazy last year. Like he was at over five walks per nine. I don't think he'll be that bad this year, you know, and he's good enough to limit, you know, the quality of contact. So that's really, really interesting uh, for me. Uh, so I could see him as, as a number two uh, if you're kind of in a bad spot. Uh, at starting pitcher, but I do really worry about that whip with the walks. Um, with a little bit of a history of getting hit hard and, and running a, a, a decent BABIP. And so for that reason, you know, I'm probably not going to go after Ray, but just like the projections do, the strikeouts are certainly enticing. And he's the type of guy that if he is able to maintain relatively reasonable uh, ratios, he could be uh, a really dominant force like he was uh, in 2017. All right, the next five, uh, Charlie Morton at ADP of 120, Kyle Hendricks at ADP of 125, Chris Archer at an ADP of 127, Shane Bieber at 134, and Masahiro Tanaka uh, at uh, 136. So for Charlie Morton, um, he's got an, uh, a projection of 3.52 for the ERA, 122 for the whip, 11 wins, 172 strikeouts, and 153 innings pitched. It's good for a $14 valuation at a $13 cost, although it rounds down uh, to $0, so pretty much ne- neutral there. Uh, Kyle Hendricks, ADP of 125, a 3.86 ERA, a 1.24 uh, whip, uh, 160 strikeouts and 120, 192 innings pitched, uh, and 12 wins for Hendricks. That's a $12 valuation at a $12 cost. Uh, he is neutral uh, right there. Chris Archer, who the projections always love but who always sucks, uh, 3.79 ERA, a one-two-five whip, eleven wins, two hundred nine strikeouts in a hundred and ninety ninety innings pitched. Uh, the valuation, the value is actually the valuation at sixteen dollars at a twelve dollar cost uh, is three dollars worth of value. He's obviously a much better proposition going right here than he has been in the last three years when he was kind of in the you know fifty to seventy range. And so I don't mind it as much at this point, but. You know, it's well documented that projection systems do not um, understand or, inco- uh, or yeah, just don't understand that Archer gives up a really high BABIP. And so, you know, the ones that regress uh, BABIP and a lot of batted ball data uh, to the mean, you know, or... Um, you know those those types of things that most projection systems do. You know don't account for I think the fact we have three years of data that Archer is just not very good from a WHIP or uh, ERA perspective, and so you know that's the reason why I, I'm fading him as well. Shane Bieber is sure, certainly intriguing. He's at got a three seven four ERA for them projections, a one six seven a one one seven WHIP, hundred thirty five strikeouts and hundred forty five innings pitched. Ten wins. Uh, that's a ten dollar valuation at a twelve dollar cost. So he's losing you two dollars right there. Uh, I am. I am kind of shying away from Bieber. I think of the kind of Chris Archer archetype of players. I think he probably has the most upside because of the situation and because of how, excuse me, dominant the uh, slider is. But um, you know, I'm still not going after him at his ADP, which is in the 140 range right now. Masahiro Tanaka's up next, ADP of 136, uh, 3.8 8 ERA, 117 whip, 12 wins, 159 strikeouts in 157 innings pitched. It's a $14 valuation at a $12 cost, so that's $2 worth of value that Tanaka's getting you. One of the things that I love about Tanaka is he barely walks anybody, um, and uh, so he runs a really nice whip. Uh, he has both a very high o swing like one of the lead leading o swings um you know in addition to being uh, uh really nice in terms of first pitch strike rate and relatively good uh, in the zone and so he does have some home run issues which i think make the era a little bit precarious but he doesn't have the same overall batted ball quality uh, issues that a lot of this the same guys have so um in terms of my overall rankings you know where these guys uh, are currently located I have Charlie Morton at uh 27 right now. So he's the highest I am on this group. I have Tanaka at 28. I have Hendricks at 29. Uh, I have Robbie Ray at 35 and then Luis Castillo at 36 um, for pitchers. So that's kind of where they are um, for me. Uh, Morton is interesting because the skills are really nice. He definitely has some third time through the order issues though, that I think are going to limit his innings pitched. Obviously that's, uh, incorporated into the projection at 153 innings pitched. I do really like the fact he went to Tampa, you know, uh, of all the organizations in baseball, Tampa is probably my second uh, favorite, uh, for a pitcher that I like to be on because I, I just trust the way that they're going to manage pitchers. And I don't think they're going to kind of leave him out there to get, knocked around like he did uh, last year. And so I'm okay on him, but I do worry a little bit about the volume. And with the volume being down, it just begs the question of who would I rather have, Charlie Morton or Rich Hill, if they're going to pitch about the same number of innings? And I think my answer is always going to be Rich Hill in that case, because Rich Hill is always, he's always good. Um, so that, that is something. Uh, Kyle Hendricks is a guy that I like as kind of a fallback option. Uh, I believe in him a lot more than I think a lot of folks And the projections are always way too down on him. He's shown consistently that he can outperform the ERA estimators. Uh, He's kind of the opposite of a Chris Archer. And so I think the ERA is going to be lower. I think the whip uh, is also going to be lower. Uh, The wins at 12, strikeouts 160 and 192 innings pitched. Obviously, you know, lower, um, you know, lower strikeout rates. But, you know, he has kind of steadily improved Uh, from a strikeout perspective and a swinging strike perspective. And so that gives me at least a little bit of hope that he can be, uh, you know, maybe uh, a tad bit better than like a Miles Mikolas in terms of the K percentage. So uh, that is certainly something I mentioned, my concerns with Archer and with Bieber. You know, I I just think that they give up way too quality of contact. And until I see otherwise, I'm just not going to invest in them because I think the danger with guys that have this type of, you know, profile is that you keep on expecting regression. You don't want to miss, you know, the regression that's that that you feel like is inevitably going to happen, but it hasn't happened, you know, so far. And Bieber has a much shorter track record, but Archer has, you know, Babips well over three hundred now for many consecutive years, and so Bieber I feel like is going to fall into the same kind of category. Uh, the whip should be all right because he doesn't walk. He walks hardly nobody. Um, or he doesn't walk anybody, uh, is a better way to say that. Um, so, you know, I think that that gives him a little bit of upside, but also a guy that I'm, I just am not going to own any shares of this year, unfortunately. And then Masahiro Tonaka is a guy that I will target a lot as kind of my SP3. I think he's falling way further than he he really should. Uh, the ERA is a little bit of a concern, but at this point in the draft, you're not going to find many guys where it isn't. And I think the whip is going to be really strong. The strikeout should be strong. The wind should be decent. You know he doesn't go that deep into games, but I think he goes deep enough, uh, you know, to be valuable and to get you some wins. And so I do like uh, uh, Tanaka a lot, uh, where he's going right now. The next five we have based on ADP are J A Happ at ADP of 144, Nick Pavetta at an ADP of 146, Cole Hamill's at an ADP of 151, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez at an ADP of 151, and then Yu Darvish. At an ADP of 152, uh, for J. A. Happ, um, he has a projection of a 3.95 ERA, a 1.24 WHIP, 12 wins, 172 strikeouts in 168 innings pitched, $13 valuation, $11 cost. Uh, so he's giving you $1 worth of value. Uh, Nick Pavetta is a guy that I'm fading hard this year. Um, you know, just not a fan whatsoever. Three nine four ERA, a one two six WHIP, ten wins, one hundred seventy eight strikeouts, one hundred sixty four innings. It's eleven dollar valuation, going at an eleven dollar cost. Cole Hammels, uh, who revived his career uh, with the Cubs towards the end of last year, uh, he's got a projection of a four, uh, just a four ERA, a 1-3-0 WHIP, eleven wins and one hundred seventy three strikeouts in one hundred seventy five. Innings pitched. That's good for a $10 valuation at an $11 cost. Eduardo Rodriguez is up next. Uh, he has a 385 projected ERA, a 1 2 4 whip, 10 wins, 151 strikeouts in 140 innings pitched. And then you, Darvish, a guy that I absolutely love given the spring that he's having and where he's going in drafts, 384 3-8, uh, ERA, a 1 2 3 whip. Nine wins, 159 strikeouts in 139 innings pitched. That's a $10 valuation at $11 cost. But you know, just like Eduardo Rodriguez, that the innings pitch total is around 140. You know, and so even at that 140 mark, if he's able to get higher than that, you know, that could create a real opportunity for value uh, right there. So, you know, of these guys, um, where I have them ranked. Um, I have J.A. Happ at 37. I have Hugh Darvish at 24. He's the highest ranked uh, of this group right here. Uh, I have Cole Hamels at 38. Erod at 40. And then I have Pavetta all the way down at 73. Not a Pavetta fan. Uh, whatsoever. So with J. A. Happ, you know, I think he's he's in an okay situation. You know, with the Yankees, it's not ideal in terms of ballpark, but it's ideal in terms of wins. And so for that reason, um, you know, I think that he's a he's an okay value where he's going right now. Um, for you know, he's just kind of blah. There's nothing too exciting. I don't think the floor is super low. I don't think the The ceiling is super high, so you know, and I'd much rather go after upside at this point in the draft. So I'm not finding myself getting him much. Uh, So for Nick Pavetta, you know, the reason why I uh, I'm out on Pavetta is he just gets hit way too hard. So you know, the last two years he's had a 3.32 BABIP and a 3.26 BABIP, a 1.69 home runs per nine, and a 1.32 home runs per nine. So he's getting crushed, absolutely crushed. Um, you know, when you, when we look at, uh, his pitches, his fastball is atrocious. And I talked a lot about this last year, but when we look at his, um, you know, fastball, uh, in 2018, it gave up a BABIP of 363 in 2017, it gave a up of 352, but even his curveball, you know, a BABIP of 348 last year and a BABIP of 324 this year. So when people put the ball in play, on Nick Pavetta, it generally does not uh, end, you know, uh, very well. He gives up a ton of really solid contact and all of the expected metrics also support, you know, the really high uh, babbitt that he gives up. He also struggles mightily um, after the first time through um, the order. Uh, so the first time through the order, he had a 3-2-1 ERA last year. Um, in the second time through the order, he had a six, five, seven ERA. And then the third time through the order, a 4.31 uh, ERA. And then his K percentage over the same period of time, you know, it went from 30% first time through to 26% second time through to 22%. So I don't think the innings pitched volume is going to be that good because he can't really go, uh, turn the lineup over, uh, Three times, you know, so the innings pitched are going to be somewhat limited. I think the strikeouts will be okay, but I think he could just destroy your ratios, both in terms of whip and ERA. And for that reason, I am totally off of Nick Pavetta, despite some really nice uh, underlying metrics in terms of the K minus walk rate. Until he and other guys show me that they can actually have a league average Babip and a league average home runs per nine, you know, I'm not going to believe it until I see it. And I may miss out because of that, Uh, but I also feel pretty good about not having like guys that just totally blow up your whip and you know can really ruin a season if you stick with them for too long uh Hamels I'm okay on Hamels you know he got lucky towards the end of last year you know with the Cubs when he was pitching really well you know although the changeup is still a really strong pitch and so I think he's going to be totally mediocre and that's not good it's not bad I think it's just going to be mediocre and again I'm a lot of times I'm going upside here now, two guys that I, or one guy that I don't mind is Erod, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez. You know, I think he could definitely take a step forward. The major issue with him is always innings pitched. You know, and he's always been pretty solid, like just from a, a, a ratio perspective and, and a contribution perspective from strikeouts, you know, when he does pitch, but it's just that, that inning pitch total that gets you. Now, the guy that I'm really targeting um, as my number three starter, you know, in a lot of places is Yu Darvish. Um, I think he's going really late. Uh, all of the, everything we've heard in the spring, you know, he's throwing 97. He said that his stuff is the best that it's been in a while. And while, you know, best shape of my life, yada, 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 the velocity is what it is. It's it's higher than it's ever been before um, for him. And I think that's really key. Uh, and all he really needs is health. Like he's never been bad when he's been healthy. I think he's been, you know, he's never been, or at least since you know, the first season, he's never been truly elite. Um, but the cost is so low right now, um, and he's on a good team um, and not in a bad ballpark. I just think overall that this, is a, this could be a really nice season, bounce-back season for Darvish based on all of the reports so far. And so I, I'm going for upside with him uh, right here uh, for sure. And that's why I have him ranked so high at, at 27 right now uh, among pitchers. Uh, The next five, I have Tyler Glass now at an ADP of 153. Uh, Andrew Heaney, who will definitely be dropping um, at an ADP of 168. Rick Porcello at an ADP of 168. Nathan Eovaldi uh, at an ADP of 172. And then Rich Hill at an ADP of 177. So with Glass now, he's got a 379 uh, ERA, uh, a 129 WHIP. Nine wins and 163 strikeouts in 138 innings pitched. That's a nine-dollar valuation at a ten-dollar ADP. Uh, Andrew Heaney, three eight nine ERA, one two one WHIP, eleven wins, 176 strikeouts and 176 innings pitched. That's a thirteen-dollar valuation at a ten-dollar cost so $4 worth of value but he got shut down today and so he's not going to start the the you know he's not going to open the season with the angels in their rotation and you know he's just had too many injury history injury concerns in the past you know, and hasn't been able to perform quite like we would have liked him to. And so for that reason, I'm not going to go after him. But he was a guy that I would have been targeting in this area if the health checked out okay. He's one of these guys that does has have a pretty high BABIP that I see a pretty clear route to an improved BABIP, and that is by fading his sinker a little bit more, uh, throwing some of the breaking stuff more, and maybe uh, going to a four-seam fastball uh, a little bit more. And I do like the fact that Angels you know, have hired some driveline guys there you know, I think really going to focus on an analytic-based approach uh, to pitching and hitting, and so for that reason, you know, I, I did like Heaney before the injury. Uh, Porcello, uh, a 4-1-8 ERA, a 1-2-3 whip, 13 wins, 175 strikeouts, and 192 innings pitched. That's a $13 valuation at a $10 cost. You know, any guy that I think is going to have an ERA over four, i am I'm just really not going to be that interested in especially going at this point in the draft where I think there's a lot of talent you know on the hitting side and so you know I'm a full fade on Porcello it's not that I think that he's terrible I just think that he's mediocre and as I mentioned before um, you know we he, got, he already had his kind of breakthrough season with the Cy Young uh, award-winning season I don't think he's going to get back uh, uh, to that mark. So I am, I am not that high on Porcello. A guy that I am definitely down on is Nathan Eovaldi. Uh, 3-8 uh, ERA, 1-2-2 whip, 11 wins, 138 strikeouts and 151 innings pitched, $10 valuation at a $10 cost. The thing that I don't like about Aovaldi is that you know he ran a really low BABIP last year, which wasn't necessarily earned according to the expected metrics. He also had a very high strand rate, and even with that, like the stats were still pretty middling and, and not in a ton of innings pitched. And so I think he's not going to throw that many innings pitched. He's got major injury issues. I think he's going to get regression in Babbitt. He's going to get regression in his strand rate. And I think that the skills just aren't that good. He gives up way too much contact. He doesn't have strikeout stuff. He doesn't have any type of dominant pitch. And so I think a lot of his value is being boosted by, you know, kind of what he did in the, you know, in the World Series last year. And it's not that he's a terrible pitcher. I just don't think that he has much upside. And so I am passing on him. The one guy that I think does have a ton of upside and who I love and I've always loved is Rich Hill. Uh, 364 ERA, 1-7 one, uh, one, whip, 11 wins, 162 strikeouts, and 147 innings. That's a $13 valuation at a $9 cost. So that's $4 worth of value that J- Hill is generating. Again, like it's just kind of uh you know just rinse wash repeat uh for hill you know the last couple years he struggles at the beginning of the year with a blister Uh, doesn't pitch that great when he comes back, but as the season progresses, he gets better and better. And by the end of the season, he's one of the best pitchers. And he ends up being great from just a a year to year perspective. And so I love Rich Hill. You factor that in with, you know, maybe getting some replacement value um, in there. And I think that makes him, you know, a really, really nice guy uh, to have uh, right here. Uh, In terms of where I have those guys in my rankings, um, I have, uh, Rich Hill is at uh, as my number 30 pitcher. I have Tyler Glass now as my number 33 pitcher. Uh, I have, um, uh, let's uh, scroll down, Porcello as my uh, number 42 uh, pitcher uh, right here. So, um, you know, not a huge fan of the guys that I'm covering right here. Uh, Heaney's way back down there just because of the injury, but real Hill, Rich Hill is a guy that I like a lot. Uh, glass now is definitely interesting for me. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, but, you know, the innings pitched I don't think are necessarily going to be there. He's another guy who struggles third time through the order. Obviously, the stuff, especially the fastball being up two or three miles per hour this year is is really, really interesting. And so I do like him this year, uh, but I, I think, you know, the volume's a little bit limited, and I just think that you know, the whip could be an issue, but I like the improvements that he made towards the end of last year. So if he can carry on to those, I think he could produce a significant uh, amount of value where he's going right now. All right, the next uh, five are Kyle Freeland, uh, Hyunjin Ryu, uh, Dallas Keuchel, Jose Quintana, and Joey Lucchesi. Uh, So for Kyle Freeland, um, he has a projection of a uh, 4-2, a 4.30 ERA, a 1.38 WHIP, 12 wins, 158 strikeouts in 129, 192 innings pitched. That's six dollar valuation at a nine dollar cost. He's losing you three dollars. Hyunjin Ryu uh, is a 3.62 ERA, a 1.21 WHIP, eight wins, 119 strikeouts and in 122 innings pitched, um, and that is uh, a six dollar valuation at a nine dollar cost. He's losing you what rounds down to two dollars. Then Dallas Keuchel, uh, three five nine ERA, a one two nine WHIP, twelve wins, one hundred forty seven strikeouts, and one hundred eighty nine uh, innings pitched. That's an eleven dollar valuation at an eight dollar cost. So he's getting you three dollars worth of value. It'll obviously be really interesting to see uh, where he ends up. Uh, Jose Quintana, a three nine seven ERA, a one three zero WHIP. 12 wins 174 strikeouts and 184 innings pitched uh that's a two dollar or that's eleven dollar valuation and eight dollar cost it rounds down to two dollars worth of value for quintana right there and then finally joey Lucchesi, a 395 era a 127 whip 10 wins 166 strikeouts 164 innings pitched nine dollar valuation and an eight dollar cost so he's getting you $1 uh, worth of value, um, is uh, Lucchesi. So, um, you know, Kyle Friedland is interesting. I don't expect as much regression um, as his, um, you know, ERA uh, and WIP uh, would indicate. You know, he obviously got pretty lucky last year, you know, with the uh, strand rate uh, and with uh, the BABIP overall. But I do think, you know, that the stuff is, uh it's it's hard to hit i'm not exactly sure you know uh, what makes it that way but um you know he uh he's he's just uh he's he's been able to kind of pull it off and if we take a look at his um expected metrics just really quickly here i'm just verifying uh if what i remember is correct um when we look at his expected metrics you know yes he did kind of, uh, outperform them. Uh, but it wasn't by, you know, a huge, uh, a huge margin necessarily, you know, um, it wasn't like he should have had a, you know, the, the type of whip that he's getting in the projections. And so his velocity is also up, you know, and so he's not necessarily a guy that I'm targeting. And I do think that he's, you know, kind of dangerous, um, You know, uh, as a starter, I know that I had him in a couple places last year and I was just kind of hanging on for dear life in some of his starts. Uh, But, you know, uh, not the worst because I think he's falling pretty quickly in drafts. And so if he does fall into the kind of 200s, then I might uh, be willing to take a stab at it just because, uh, you know, he has been able to produce. Um, and I'm intri- intrigued by at least the velocity increase, and he did look really good at the end of the year. I mean, remember his, uh, his outing against the Cubs. Um, so obviously, you know, some recency bias right there, but, um, you know, just something uh, to consider right there. Hyunjin Ryu, you know, has been a good pitcher. Again, you know, a lucky pitcher last year, but he's been a good pitcher when he has been healthy, but that's been a huge issue for him, and one of the reasons why he's only projected for 122 um, innings pitched. Uh and so that is, you know, something there. And I just don't think I'm probably gonna go after Ryu because of the injury um history, uh, you know, and, and where he's going in drafts. I just don't see a ton of upside. You know, even with you know that 362 ERA and that one two one whip that he's projected for in 122 innings pitched, he's still losing three dollars based on where he's going in drafts. So I'm um, gonna fade him. Uh, Dallas Keuchel, uh, obviously he's got to sign somewhere, and he's not signed somewhere, so uh, it's really hard to know exactly what to expect from him. I think he could bring value once he does sign, but I haven't even heard any rumors recently about where he is going to sign, and so I'm interested to see what happens, you know, with him. But you know, the the ratios are okay, uh, but you know, he's no longer with the Astros, uh, and he doesn't get a ton of strikeouts, and so. You know, I'm not that interested. Jose Quintana is somewhat of an interesting proposition because his skills starting to improve towards the, the end of last year. Uh, you know, and even at the projection that he's at right now, he's a de- decent source of value. But I think the upside is definitely limited. You know, he's kind of had his best years. I think they're now behind him. And so not necessarily a guy I'm targeting. I'm not targeting a ton of pitchers in this area because I have one one guy who I've got my eyes on, um, and I – and Those of you who follow my drafts will probably know, or at least a couple guys that I got my eyes on. Um, And so Joey Lucchesi is definitely interesting on the Padres. You know, um, I definitely expected him to do worse as the season progressed last year. Last year, because so much of you know his success seemed to be determined by the deception in his windup, but he continued to do really, really well. And so, it's really hard to do well with just two pitches essentially. And so, that gives me a little bit of pause for concern. But he was pretty steady in terms of his swinging strike rate last year. Um, and so, you know, it's at least an, an intriguing profile. Probably not one that I'm going to buy. Um, but, you know, there's certainly worse options uh, going around this uh, point in time. Now, one guy that I do really love that's going in this area is Kenta Maeda. Uh, the, um, uh, the projection is uh, 379 ERA, a 120 whip, nine wins, 139 strikeouts, and 130 uh, innings pitched. That's a $9 valuation at an $8 cost. Uh, Rounds down to $0, but I think he's going to start out the season in the Dodgers rotation, and Maeda um, has really, really nice skills, swinging strike skills, uh, O-swing skills. um, His slider is really, really good. Uh, His changeup is also really, really good. He's just got a really nice repertoire and the major question mark is innings and usage by the Dodgers. But at the cost that he's going right now, and I've seen him moving up boards right now, um, you know, but uh, I'm really buying into uh, Kenta Maeda. Uh, I like him a lot, although I've found it tough to get him because I think he's going higher in a lot of the drafts that I've been doing. Um, All right. you know, you want to know something? Kenta Maeda wasn't part of the group that we were covering. Oh, well. Uh, let's take a look at the next five. John Gray at 204. Um, Joe Musgrove. We're going to skip Alex Reyes because he's going to be in the bullpen. Joe Musgrove, the love of my life, at 211. Ross Stripling at 212. Uh, Jake Arietta at 213. And Jesus Lazardo at 213. So um, for John Gray, you know, his ADP of 204, his projection is a 4-1 ERA, a 1-3-0 whip, 10 wins, 157 strikeouts, and 154 innings pitched. $8 valuation, $8 cost uh, is kind of neutral in terms of value. You know, I think John Gray, again, is like kind of this Chris Archer mold. It may even be called the John Gray mold. But just a guy who consistently gives up higher, well above league average BABIPs, and just gets hit around. And so, you know, in that, in this particular case, like the projection seems right on. He is his velocity is up a tick, and he worked with drive line, which gives me a little bit of hope. And his ADP is is much further down than it normally is. But I'm still not buying because I think he's just a ratio destroyer. Generally speaking, a guy that I absolutely love is Joe Musgrove. Uh, a four uh, ERA, a four point zero one ERA, a one two four WHIP projection, uh, nine wins, one hundred thirty nine strikeouts, and one hundred fifty nine innings pitched. Seven dollar valuation at an eight dollar cost, um, and that is. Um and uh, losing one dollar worth of value. Now the things that I love about Musgrove are towards the end of last year, his his uh his skills surged. His swinging strike rate uh, was way up. His O swing was way up. His Z contact was down, and he's always in the zone a ton. You know, first pitch strike rate above seventy, and then his zone percentage around fifty percent. So he's not going to walk any guys, which is going to help keep the 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 whip lower. Um, he did much better than previous years on balls in play um, in 2018. And so that gives me a little bit of hope that he can maintain that. But the biggest thing for me is his arsenal, both his slider and his changeup have uh, above 20% swinging strike rates. Um, his fastball uh, has been fine. Uh, and so the combination of those things, um, you know, makes me really, really uh, high on Musgrove this year. I think he's a guy who can take a big leap forward, so long as he has health, which is which is still a big question mark for him for sure. Um, but you know, I really love Musgrove, and he's a guy that I'm targeting uh, in a ton of drafts. Uh, Ross Stripling, um, you know, he—if you look at the ratios—they're really, really nice for the projection: three-five-one ERA, one-one-seven WHIP. Six wins, ninety-two strikeouts, and ninety-two innings pitched. Two-dollar valuation, eight-dollar cost, losing six dollars. But it's only ninety-two innings pitched, and so his projection—you know—the lack of value is really based on low innings pitch total. You know, and I don't expect him to have a crazy uh, pitch total, but he could potentially start the le- the the year in the rotation. And you can see that the, by the ratios that he's a very good pitcher. He was excellent last year. He was tremendous. Uh, last year, and so with those ratios being what they are, you know, if you extend those to 150 innings instead of 92, you're looking at a very, very valuable guy, a guy whose ratios are actually better um, than you know uh, my buddy Rich Hill, and so you know that could be a tremendous value there. There's just a little bit more of a question mark around playing time for him. Jake Arrieta, um, a 4.04 ERA, a 1.29 WHIP. Eleven wins, one fifty-nine strikeouts, one hundred seventy-eight innings pitched. It's a nine-dollar valuation at an eight-dollar cost, uh, so one dollar worth of value there. Arrieta is a guy I'm fading hard. The swinging strike rate is really low. He gives up way too many balls in play. He's just not the same guy, you know, that he has been in previous years. And so while he may have a path to a lot of wins because of the offense in Philly, um, I'm just I just don't want to mess around with those ratios. Um, you know, and, and the number of ball and play that he's going to give up. So I'm kind of fading him. Uh, Jesus Lazardo at 213. You know, I don't know a ton about Lazardo. His, um, uh, I mean, I I know of him, I've heard of him, but I'm not a prospect guy, so I'm not as familiar with the repertoire. But the projection likes him a decent amount. A 396 ERA, a 127 whip, seven wins, 102 strikeouts, and 111 innings pitched. Uh, that's a $2 valuation at $8 cost, of so losing you $6. So it's all about increasing the innings pitch total. Uh, I uh, was listening to uh, James Anderson uh, on the bench with Bubba podcast today, and he was saying he actually thinks that Lizardo may break camp uh, with the A's or not, not go to Japan with them, but be ready to start uh, right away. And so if that's the case, I think there could be a decent amount of value with Lizardo and people that I, I, I respect and, and trust uh, seemed to really, really like him as a, as a pitcher, a rookie pitcher who could really take a massive step forward, um, this year. All right. That is those guys. The next five after that, John Lester at an ADP of 214, um, Tyler Skaggs at 228, Sean Newcomb at 229, Colin McHugh at 236 and Kevin Gaussman at 237. Uh, Skaggs, his uh, projection a 393 ERA, a 127 uh, whip, 10, wa- uh, 10 wins, 147 strikeouts, 153 innings pitched, $8 valuation at a $7 cost, good for $1 worth of value. Uh, I really like Skaggs a lot. You know, He was very, very good for most of last year and then he kind of blew up. Uh, after he returned from injury. But if you take that out of the equation, um, you know he was a very good pitcher. Um, and I love kind of the fastball, curveball combination uh, that he has. Um, and so Skaggs is a guy that I'm I'm going to be looking at at this area of the draft. Sean Newcomb is a definitely not a no-own guy for me. Uh, a 4-1-3 ERA, a 1-4-0 whip, 11 wins, 177 strikeouts, and 173 innings pitched. Everything is really, really uh, bad um, for uh, Sean Newcomb. You know the skills are all down. The control metrics aren't good. The strikeout metrics aren't good. I'm fading him super hard. I'm not even going to come close. Uh, you know to having uh, Newcomb on my team. Colin McHugh is a guy that I really, really like um, a lot uh, because he's going to have a spot in the rotation for the Astros. Three nine nine ERA, a one two three WHIP. 10 wins, 142 strikeouts, and 137 innings pitched, $8 valuation uh, at a $6 cost. Um, You know, he's got a spot in the Astros rotation, which is great. The innings pitched, um, the innings pitch total is, uh, you know, is going to be lower. He's not going to go deep in the games, which may whittle away the win possibilities, but he's also on the Astros, which is good for this. Uh, But, you know, his curveball is nasty um and he's been a really good pitcher uh he was a really good pitcher last year and i really like him making the transition to starter he also has a great podcast uh, uh the 612 6 to the 126 podcast i think is what it's called something like that anyway after his curveball um, but it's a really good podcast i suggest uh, listening to it and then finally out of this group Kevin Gaussman um his projection is a 416 ERA uh, a 130 whip Uh, 10 wins and 152 strikeouts in 172 innings pitched. Uh, That is good for $7 valuation at a $6 cost, uh, $1 uh, worth of value right there. Uh, Gaussman's another guy who I just don't find myself having. The skills really fell off Uh, in the second half. He lost a lot of the strikeout um, skills. Uh, they kind of faded when he went to the Braves. And so there's definitely potential, but, you know, there's always been potential with Gaussman and he's just kind of there. And so, you know, for that reason, um, he is a guy that I am going to uh, not be owning in this, uh, this part. There's too many guys that I do like, you know, kind of in this range of the draft, including a guy like McHugh and Skaggs, that I'm probably not going to get uh, Gaussman uh, in any drafts this year. That is going to wrap us up for episode 66 of the Backflip Crazy podcast, the first half or the first part of a two-part series in the starting pitcher preview. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope I was able to... Uh, provide uh, a depth of information in addition to uh, a little bit about my own perspective you know, on why players uh, may do better or worse than their projection and why I like them going in certain places. You may or not hear my dishwasher going in the background of this podcast, so I apologize in advance for that. So if you do like this podcast or the other podcasts you listen to, please do leave us a five-star rating and a review. We'll be back for the second half of the starting pitcher preview. Uh, hopefully this weekend, uh, wrapping things up with some sleepers who are going late in drafts. All right, it is crunch time in fantasy baseball. Best of luck with all of your fantasy baseball drafts, all of your fantasy baseball research. Take care and be kind to one another.